she's also a he. More. More. I like more. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I'm bisexual, actually. Oh! Yeah. I go both ways. breakdowns as we break down pop culture. I'm your host, Serena, and as usual, I'm here with my co-host, Katie. And today we are joined by our good friend, M to talk about the fandom in which our friendship was forged. If you've been listening to our previous episodes, you'll know that Katie and I run a fandom server together and that our previous guests are friends from that server, but we've never actually mentioned what that fandom is. And it wasn't a secret or anything. We just thought that because it's special to us and because we think it occupies a significant place in fandom history, it deserves its own episode. And so this is what that episode is. Katie, will you please tell our listeners what it is we consider our home fandom? Yeah, so our home fandom and the fandom that we run a Discord server for fanfic writing and all that stuff. And fan art is um, Merlin, specifically the BBC series um, Merlin. Technically, I believe it's called The Adventures of Merlin, but no one calls it that. So for those of you who do not know, and maybe were not around in the heyday of Tumblr, Merlin is a, like I said, BBC television series. It ran from 2008 to 2012. And it was basically like a reimagining of the stories of Merlin and Arthur as they were like younger people in the original tales they were both kind of like older characters and this reimagined them as younger kind of like 18 to early 20s um kind of characters yeah it's basically just about merlin um coming to camelot and his life is always in danger because magic is illegal and he obviously has magic and uses it very instinctively he becomes arthur's servant and has to kind of protect arthur in a bunch of different situations while using his magic but while trying not to get caught using his magic and that's basically what all five seasons are about i feel like it's kind of an iconic especially like if you were again around tumblr in those years just kind of like an iconic fandom that was really really popular on tumblr so yeah that's what we're here to talk about today is merlin and i'm gonna throw it over now to our guest m who like serena said we met because of merlin and i think that out of the three of us she is the only one who actually watched merlin while it was airing <laughs> in 2012 or earlier. So Em, why don't you introduce yourself? Okay. Hello. My name is Em. And yeah, I did watch the show while the last series was airing in particular. So that was a bit of a harrowing experience. And I was also like 16. So that kind of added to the whole harrowing experience. And yeah, I have been in fandom, I guess, for a long time. I do. I kind of do a little bit of like fic writing. Um, when I can. And yeah, I'm in the server um, with Katie Serena and I help uh, run it and it's a good time. Yeah, she's our, our, actually our co-admin of our Discord server dedicated to Merlin. And that's also, like we said, how we met because you failed to mention that you also run or ran of, well, you still post on it, a pretty popular Tumblr Blog oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Emma's being modest. She's kind of a big name fan. No, I'm 
not. No way. Yeah, I have. You kind of are. Yeah, well, I mean, I was in the Merlin fandom back when it first, kind of back in the midst of the heyday. So and back then I used to post gifts and stuff. But then sometime in 2020, I <laughs> made a Tumblr blog called Merlin Out of Context. <laughs> And I just started like rewatching the show and like taking screenshots of things that made me laugh and were funny out of context. And I would post them. And I think I created that blog at like a very interesting time because I made it in January of 2020. And then everyone in the world knows what happened in March 2020. And I feel like a lot of new people came to the fandom in that time because it was on Netflix and people were at home. Well, Katie, that's when you've watched it that's when i watched it too yeah okay yeah so yeah i have that tumblr blog it's a fun time i feel like i can be a little chaotic there sometimes it's very fun but yeah that's actually i mean that's how i met you because you had your tumblr blog and then you also created a discord server that was called merlin out of context (laughs) and i had just also joined discord because Again, because of COVID, like all of my friends were like, oh, you need to get on Discord because they were like playing games or whatever on Discord. And I was like, okay, fine. So I had just joined Discord, just gotten into Merlin. And yeah, I saw you, I followed your blog and I saw that you posted about the Discord server. And I was like, oh, interesting. I hadn't really like thought about using Discord as like a fandom tool, but I was like getting into it and like desperate to like find people who I could talk to about it. As much as I love Tumblr, I've never really thought of it as like a platform that makes connecting to other fans and like making friends. Like I've never been very good at that on Tumblr because it feels like you really need to like put yourself out there on Tumblr and I'm not really like that kind of person. So I was like, I'm going to join the Discord server and we became friends and then the other server happened and then sadly Merlin out of context kind of went by the wayside the discord server did at least we still all are on the Merlin discord server that we run but yeah that's kind of how that's how we all met each other the first thing that we were going to talk about was which we kind of already started answering was how we first started watching Merlin and how did we join the fandom so em why don't you go first because you were the OG Ah, yeah. I have like a funny story, I guess, that goes along with it. So it was either very late 2011 or very early 2012. And I was like, you know, 15, 16. And I was like, I don't know, not to be depressing, but I think I was a rather unhappy teen. And I had some family come over to hang out and two of my cousins brought a DVD. And they're like, it's this TV show called Merlin. We think you'd like it. And I being kind of just like sad and grumpy was just kind of like, okay, fine, whatever. And like watched it with them because I didn't want to be mean and tell them no, but I was so not in the mood to watch anything. And then we watched it and what Uther says, you'll be Arthur's manservant. And I was basically like, okay, I got to get on Tumblr. (laughs) Like, I got to see what's going on here (laughs) because I was already like... (laughs) 
on this Tumblr. is gay well 100 <laughs> that was my first thought i was like that's that's not a normal thing to say to your buddy and i was on tumblr at the time so i was basically hooked from that episode i think i torrented the rest of the series that was available which was up until the end of series four and what i can remember about tumblr on that time at that time was if you searched Merlin, the only thing that you'd be met with was just walls and walls of the same gif of Merlin and Arthur hugging in A Servant of Two Masters because it's the only time they ever hugged. And so at that time, that's what everybody was freaking out about, <laughs> that there was a hug. It was a different time. For me, I tried watching it when it originally aired. So I think season one aired in 2008. And so where I used to live... I didn't have access to um, BBC. It wasn't airing on any of the local channels in the country um, that I lived in. And so if I wanted to watch it, I had to do some not entirely legal things. And it was difficult because the internet connection in the country I lived in was really, really slow. So to download episodes, it would take forever. So I think I saw a few and not even in like in sequence back then. And it was like, a show that I felt that I could get into, but like, it was just really difficult to watch for me. You know, I kind of forgot about it. I wasn't on Tumblr very much. Um, and so somehow it just kind of passed me by because I'm much older than Em. And at the time I was just kind of busy with work and, and all this stuff. And I wasn't online very much. Um, and so like, it just kind of passed me by. And then 2020 happened before lockdown and everything. I started watching it randomly. I was like, oh, you know, this show that I try to watch way back when is now on Netflix and it's now accessible to me. So I started watching it and I finished it around the time that lockdown happened. And I was like, oh no, I, I have no idea what to do with my life now. And I have no one to talk to about this because like, I didn't know that the fandom was still around. So I got online and was desperately searching for people who were, and, and hoping that people were still in the fandom so that I could scream about this with someone. And it turns out the fandom is still there. It is actually stronger than ever, I think. I mean, you know, it's it's different from its heyday, but it's still pretty strong. And there's still a lot of like fan works being produced and, you know, like the communities are still really active. And so like, it was like a lifeline to me to be able to meet people and to make friends in this fandom. And, you know, I'm still here several years later and this show has not released um, its chokehold on me and I'm still reading fanfic. I'm occasionally write fanfic and I'm still very much like in deep with this community. I'm very happy to be here. Um, the brain rot is still brain rotting. And yeah, it has led to many beautiful friendships like my friendship with the two of you. Um, so yeah, thanks Marilyn. Yeah, I, it's so funny actually how similar our stories are, Serena, because I feel like mine is almost the exact same as you, where like when the show came out in 2008, I heard about it and it was too late for me to try to catch the shows as they aired. I don't know because, I mean, I live in Canada and we might have had access to it airing on some kind of channel. I don't know. I, I didn't know where to watch it. And so I tried. I was was on Tumblr, like chronically on Tumblr. And um, and so I was like, of course, seeing it everywhere. And I was like, well, I'll like give it a try. And I tried, I remember this so clearly, I tried streaming the first episode and it was taking so long. Back then, it was so difficult to stream things sometimes. It was literally stopping every few, not even minutes, I would say 
more like every few seconds to buffer and load more of the episode. And so finally, I was just like, I can't do this. I don't even remember how far I got into the first episode when I was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. So I turned it off and never really got back into it, even though I'm sure at some point, you know, technology would have been better and I probably would have been able to either download it or stream it somewhere. It just kind of like, I don't know, I got into other things and I never really thought about it. But then once again, March 2020 hits. And what actually happened is I was, you know, at home from my job and I had Disney Plus. And so I decided I was going to watch all of the kind of like classic Disney movies all in order. And so I was watching them all and I got up to Sword in the Stone and I watched that movie and it reminded me of BBC Merlin. And I was like, Uh, I never finished watching that show. Like, I wonder where it's like available now. So I searched for it. And of course, it's on Netflix. I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I should just give this a shot. And I watched like the first couple episodes. And then my mom started watching it with me. And so the two of us watched. Yeah, we watched all five seasons together. And I remember at one point being like, not super into it. Like, I'm pretty sure there's like tweets of mine being like, when am I supposed to start like enjoying the characters or like <laughs> sympathizing with them? Because I felt like I didn't really like Merlin or Arthur to begin with, which is funny because now I would literally murder someone for speaking ill of them. But <laughs> at the time, <laughs> at the time, I was like, wow, this is it, huh? But I think maybe I started getting more into it, kind of like the end of season one, maybe. I remember the fandom having like amazing fanfic, like anything I had heard about Merlin was that they had really good fan fiction. And I was like, well, I quite literally have all the time in the world right now (laughs) to like get into this deep. And so that's basically what I did. I I mean, I finished watching the series. I was like, I'm not going to read any fic until I finish watching this because I know I'm going to get spoiled. And I didn't know how the series ended, which whenever I tell people that they're shocked because I feel like it was probably all over Tumblr, but somehow I missed it. I had no idea how the series ended. I was like, I don't want to spoil myself by reading fic and whatever. So I waited till I was done, started reading fic and completely derailed my Disney rewatch. <laughs> it took me, I, I did eventually get back to it actually, but it took like a few months before I started back into rewatching the Disney movies. And I just dove in head first. And like Serena said, I mean, I was desperately kind of like looking for people to talk to about this. And I also didn't really, wasn't really aware that there was still like an active fandom for it. But yeah, I mean, I looked on Tumblr, I found M's blog, I found the Discord server, and like, I didn't look back. They had me from the first few minutes of episode one, though. I mean, I can't believe it took you an entire season for you to come around because from the moment Arthur was like, do you know how to walk on your knees? I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Great line. Great line. (laughs) It is. It's a fantastic line. And you know what? Now watching the first episode back, I'm like, what was my problem? Like I said, like I didn't find them very sympathetic, especially Merlin, who like literally is like my sole character. Now, like I love him more than I love any other fictional character. He's just my special little guy. He's literally my special little guy. I, like I said, love him so much. And I've been in fandom for a long time. And for him to be like my number one boy is like insane, but true. Oh yeah. And yeah, I just like, how did I not immediately love 
this boy i don't know yeah it's not like either of them are smart they're both <laughs> kind of idiot but i really like it when my funny fictional men are just like idiot for idiot mm -hmm. i mean that is the whole appeal of that pairing it's like they only have one brain cell between them and i desperately love them the other thing is like you know what honestly it's not even that they're stupid i feel like and this is like a big part of them both being very young is that they're both just like brats you know what i mean they're just kind of kind of whiny and like brats like neither of them are very i don't know i, I just don't feel like they're really like sympathetic characters at first i kind of mean that in the nicest way i possibly can it took me a little while to be like, okay, I see now how and why I'm sympathizing with these characters and why these characters are like worth investing time into. But I'm really glad that I stuck with it because I feel like it's possible I could have just like watched those first couple episodes and been like, I hate this and then shut it off. And then where would we be? I wish I could remember what my first impressions were, but like it was 11 years ago and also I was a teenager. So let's not remember that. But, I mean, the point of Arthur at the beginning of the series, like, he is supposed to be, I think, kind of unlikable. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you, you get to the, is it the fourth episode where Merlin drinks poison for this guy he's known for, like, a couple weeks? <laughs> and I do remember kind of, like, that being a turning point for me and Arthur. I was me like, too. But he got him a flower. <laughs> <laughs> the mortiest flower. Yeah. Yeah. No, for me, it was really like they barely know each other. And at this point, they're ready to die for each other. It's like, I am all in. Yeah. Sign me the fuck up. <laughs> sign me the fuck up. <laughs> that is such a great episode. And again, watching it back, I'm like, again, like, how did I watch this and not just immediately be like obsessed? But I, I got there eventually. But since I talked about how the fandom, I feel like, is pretty iconic for like their fanfic quality why don't we talk about the fanfic a little bit like i said that was kind of like one of the reasons that i really like stuck with it because i was like i know this fandom has a lot of fanfic and i need to like get obsessed with something that has a good fanfic because i need something to do with all my time yeah so what are what are some that you guys really the first ones you read or ones that you still really enjoy or all of that good stuff and why don't you start? I'm trying to remember this person's AO3 handle. I mean, it's driving me insane, but a lot of my favorite Merlin fic is from like the 2011 to like 2014 era, which is really interesting in terms of characterization when you compare it to fanfic that's made now. But that might be another conversation. Mm -hmm. I want to hear more about that. What do you mean by that? I think, I mean, this might be very specific from my perspective of just being here for a long ass time. The way in particular, I would probably say Merlin is characterized in the fan fiction is so different than how it was in like 2012, 2013. And I think, like, I guess kind of an example is they kind of, like, focused a lot on, like, Merlin being, like, this scrawny little guy. And, like, he is. But, like, also that disrespects what is the beautiful 
chest of Colin Morgan in series five. Like, yeah, what the hell? Yeah. But then again, 2011, 2012, we hadn't yet seen Colin Morgan like that. That was, wow. I don't know. I just feel like Merlin is kind of, I don't know. I feel like they like make him kind of less demure. I don't know. Like Merlin was always just kind of shy and nerdy and uh, in like thick. And like now I feel like people let him be the bitch that he is. And I'm forever grateful for that. But he was a bitch from day one. So that's a weird characterization for me. Like, why would you ever portray him in that way? He was never that person. I mean, it might go into the more like serious conversation of even with gay relationships, we tend to like shoehorn heterosexual stereotypes into those relationships anyway. I Mm -hmm. think especially in the Merlin fandom in early fandom Merlin was quote-unquote the woman and Arthur was quote-unquote the man I'm 90% sure that's why the infest bottom Arthur exists I don't know if it's still running but in like 2014 or 2015 that was like a huge fest that was going on and it was just asking people to write bottom Arthur thick they kind of made Merlin sort of like very emotionally in tune and very like soft Arthur was extremely headstrong and like aggressive and whatever and I feel like I'm a big fan of chaos gremlin Merlin yeah and I like (laughs) and I like any that makes them both seem like more developed characters and not like caricatures of themselves but it's funny I was gonna say I don't want to trash talk the fandom classics but when I started reading fanfic for Merlin, every like fic that I got told was kind of a fandom classic. I wasn't that like impressed with. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of really good gems in this fandom, but every single fic that someone was like, you have to read this one. I was like, okay. So I read it and I was kind of like, all right, one of my favorite so there's like a whole this is kind of particular to Merlin fandom, where there's like Arthur Returns fanfic if you don't know okay spoilers this show ended in 2012 which was over 10 years ago so if you don't already know my bad but you're gonna find out arthur dies at the end of the series let's just get that get that over with literally yesterday there was a tumblr post going around an anonymous message somebody sent someone and it said arthur dies and the response was girl this is mythology yeah (laughs) So, yeah, let's let's get that out of the way. If you haven't watched Merlin already and you didn't already know, yeah, he dies at the end of the series. So there's like a whole genre of Merlin fanfic that's called like Arthur Returns or like Arthur Reincarnated or like, you know, whatever. It's all kind of the same premise. And yeah, I would say that one of my favorite fics of that genre is a fic called All is Found. And the author, I'm probably going to butcher this, but is Otto Tiz Aratai mm. on AO3. And it is my favorite Arthur Returns fanfic. It is 121K, which is a lot longer than I normally would read. My sweet spot is like 50,000 words, kind of, or usually lower than that. But I love this fic so much. And it's kind of, I think, like a hidden gem. It was written in 2020. The author, the Arthur, the author also started watching Merlin during the pandemic. So 
it's one of my favorite fanfics. So I wanted to give a shout out to that one. I have not read that one. So I'd be interested in checking that out. I'm generally not a big Arthur returns girly. I mean, when it comes to fanfic, I read when the show ended and I was first getting into fanfic, I was reading a lot of that and none of them were particularly hitting. And I feel that's because it's really hard to come up with a compelling reason for Arthur to return in the modern day and make that believable or not believable, but like, I guess, compelling. Anyway, I just found it really difficult to to get into any of the stories that were coming up that I'd read at the time. And there's only one that I really love that for me is like, if there's only one Arthur return fic that I will read, and it has to be this one. And it's by Catherine from Philly. It's called um, like the cycle of the year we begin again. And it was written over the span of like several years. And it ended in 2016. And it's about total 350,000 words, but it's not done. And so there's a sequel to that that I'm still waiting for that is going to be, according to the author, released this year, like early this year. So I'm still waiting for that. Can you imagine? It's like in the year of our Lord 2024, this fic about the Merlin finale is still going to come out when the finale was in 2012. So like, that's just amazing. And like, it's a really popular fic in the fandom, I think. I'm really excited to read that. That is my absolute favorite Arthur Returns fic. But in general, I prefer modern AUs for some reason. Like there are a few like in canon or canon divergence ones that I, I really enjoy, but I find it more fun to read modern AUs and find like, you know, different characterizations and interpretations of you know, this, this story, I think the characters lend themselves really well to that and their dynamics. And so, yeah, I'm, most of my favorite fics are modern AUs. That's so funny because it's the same with me, but in every other fandom, I specifically read canon fic. But for some reason with Merlin, my favorites are like canon AUs and like modern stuff. I feel like I usually go through like phases. Like I feel when I first start reading fic for a fandom. I'm very much a canon girly. That's yeah. kind of just what I want to read is a canon set fanfic. But then I think it's limiting. I feel as though once you've read a certain number of canon fic, I'm almost like, okay, like <laughs> like how, how many more times are we going to do this? You know what I mean? And so that's when I kind of feel I switch to AU and it doesn't have to be modern ones always. I really love like a historical AU. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Like a different like historical periods is actually like one of my favorite subgenres of fanfic. Yeah, I really I love the modern ones. And yeah, I would I kind of feel the same. Like I've read a lot of Arthur Returns kind of style fanfic and a lot of them don't hit like I want them to. And I will say one of the reasons I really like that one that I shouted out is because I feel like a lot of times there's not enough of a treatment of what it would actually be like, like the mental trauma of like waking up in the modern age when you died yeah. in like, I don't know, 1500 years ago. Yeah. And also there's a tendency to treat Gwen, Arthur's canon wife, not very well it's really easy for him to get over that yes. loss. And in that hypothetical situation, Arthur has died thinking that he's still married to her and woken up 1500 years later. But to him, 
it hasn't felt like 1500 years to him it's like 10 minutes ago he was married and his wife was alive and then 10 minutes later he all of a sudden wakes up and it's 1500 years later and everyone he knows is dead other than merlin and there's just like not enough of like a look at like the psychological trauma and like mental trauma that that would do to someone and i think Mm -hmm. that that fic that i shouted out does a really good job of like investigating that and taking it very seriously yeah that's really important to me too and i appreciate that and we're so similar katie because that's also you know one of the main reasons why i really like the fic that i shouted out because it is so respectful to gwen and to arthur's relationship with gwen which i find like in general, maybe like in the early days of fandom, that wasn't done very well. I feel like now Gwen has a lot of appreciation as a character, but then I feel like there was a, a period in fandom or and in fic where she was treated as kind of an inconvenience and she was getting in the way of Martha. And I didn't like that because I love Gwen as a character. And I think that she and Arthur also had something that was really special. So like, you know, I'm sensitive to fix treating that re- relationship respectfully. Um, and so in Cycle of the Year, I like that there is, and it's a very long fic and it is very psychological. So it, it is able to get into like Arthur grieving his previous life and also gives us a glimpse of what it would have been like for Merlin to have been alive for all of that time waiting for Arthur to return because Merlin also, you know, experienced this trauma and outliving everybody you ever cared about is something that's really difficult like to to capture like the the gravitas of that and i think the thick does that really well too and so yeah like when writers kind of try to gloss over that it doesn't hit for me because it doesn't feel like there's a genuine emotional core to that story if you don't really give time and space for that trauma and for characters like dealing with that trauma not to 180 this conversation, but the one fic that I always think about and associate with with you, M, is the one. Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the one. Are you where... going to talk about Small Weird Love? <gasps> yes, <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to bring up. I literally pulled it up because I wanted to shout it out. Yes, that is the one that I always associate with you. Tell us Probably about it, Em. Don't shut up about it. It is also, if you hear from my cat in my lap, it's because she wouldn't stop screaming the last time you guys were talking. <laughs> so I had to pick her up. <laughs> it is this fic. It's called Small Weird Love. And it's by um, MJL, which is spelt like E-M-J-A-Y-E-L-L-E. And it is basically like a high school AU in a way. And it basically just follows, from Merlin's perspective, it follows Merlin from when he was like 11. And what happens, I feel like it's important that I say what happens. What happens is when Merlin's 11, he goes to the Pendragon's house for a pool party because he's friends with Morgana and Gwen. And he is like 11 years old. He's like struggling with the fact that he likes boys. And then he kisses Arthur in the pool when they're like 11. And it like forces him in a way to like come out when he's 11. And then you follow Merlin slash Arthur as they like grow up and like go through school. 
and like maybe fall in love or something. <laughs> Aren't these older, right? Isn't he like a year older or something like that? Might two be. Or, I don't know. Maybe. I think he might be. I haven't read it in a very long time. I can remember it was, what, uh, let me check. Okay. It was published in 2012. <laughs> and I can remember reading this for the first time and just laying in my bed and having like that experience of this is incredible and I'm forever changed. And it might have been a little bit because I was also like 16 (laughs) but like I was 16 and I felt like they like kind of captured what it's like to be like a teenager and be like agonizingly in love with somebody and I love it I literally pulled it up to be one of my call outs I feel like I couldn't even like try looking through my bookmarks because there's so many there like I've bookmarked so many fanfic and I'm like which ones are my absolute favorite I one other one that I can call out is one that I never remember the name of oh my gosh I'm gonna smack myself for not looking this one up earlier but it is about Arthur's like divorced and he goes to his sister Morgana Morgana's like engagement party and the next morning he wakes up in Merlin's bed and he like thinks that they had sex but up until that point Arthur had been straight and he all of a sudden just like decides to start dating Merlin but he doesn't tell Merlin that he's never dated a man before and so Merlin has like no idea and I don't know it's just like I wish I could remember the name of it that's like my other favorite fanfic yeah, I don't know. I really love it. And I will remember the name and maybe post it as part of this episode description when I find it and remember what it's called because it's awesome. I feel like we could just be here all day listing our favorite fanfics. And it's like, it's so hard for me to put out a title because it's like, this is my favorite according to a set of very specific criteria. But if you change the criteria, then this other fic is my absolute favorite. Part of the reason that I wanted to have like the server and it's called the Merlin fic book club because it's basically it started out as people sharing their favorite fix and so so many of my fix are like in the library channel of the server yeah and it's it's impossible to to name all of them when we talk about the show's legacy and fandom culture and I feel like part of the reason it's got this longevity is because the rare pairs are fun like you can read so much stuff about Merlin and Arthur but like there's all these other side characters too that are fun to explore and that kind of fuels the fandom as well well why don't we talk about this is like a big contentious thing in fandom I think the finale is very polarizing polarizing yes controversial controversial all of the above so let me ask the two of you did you guys like the finale unpopular opinion but yes yeah which is not to say that I wasn't absolutely destroyed by it but yeah I mean I thought that it was a good end to that story however tragic and sad it was and I feel like I was anticipating I didn't know you know when I got to the end somehow I had managed to avoid spoilers all this time and I didn't know that Arthur was going to die but like if you know the OG legends you kind of knew that something like that was going to happen so I was a little bit anticipating it it still took me a little bit by surprise and it hurt a lot but I thought that it was a fitting end to the story and I think that Colin and Bradley acted the shit out of it and it was really like an emotional moment and I think that 
it paid tribute to like the arcs that both of those characters went through. And yeah, I think it was it was good. Would I have wanted another season? And, you know, like I can see an alternative way for that show to have wrapped up if they'd had more time. But yeah, I'm not mad about it. Yeah, I also, I would say yes, I liked it. But like, I feel like that word doesn't kind of encapsulate actually how I feel about it. I did like it. And I liked it when it aired. And that was like, you think it's unpopular now. It was unpopular then. People were so mad. And I remember being so confused because I underst- I knew how the legends ended. And yeah, I was just kind of like, what else were they kind of supposed to do? Like, I figured Arthur would die. Yeah, I also liked it. And uh, yeah, while I can entertain this idea that like certain bits of the show maybe weren't as well written and like all of the critiques that many people have about the show, from top to bottom, that final episode is like a fantastic episode of television. Not taking into account anything, I guess, else about the series as a whole, that episode of television is so good. Yeah, it was Christmas Eve. I watched it live. (laughs) When it aired, I keep on saying it, but I was 16 because I think that is very important (laughs) to like the emotional impact that it had on me. Also, like I'm in Canada. And so it was like 3 p.m. on Christmas Eve and I'm like in my bedroom ugly sobbing the most mucus and like just phlegm and like a tissue box next to me. Like it was gross. I yeah, we're all kind of on the same age for that obviously i do i think it was perfect like no are there things i wish had happened differently obviously but i kind of think that people got mad at them for doing the thing that they were saying they were going to do for five series that was kind of the entire building up of the five series is that yeah arthur is probably gonna die like that's that's kind of what they had been talking about the whole time and then when it happened people were like angry and shocked (laughs) I guess I obviously didn't get to experience that in real time because much like Serena I actually had no idea again like the ending I had made it all the way to 2020 without learning that he did in fact die at the end and it was really funny because I didn't know like a lot of things about it. Like I also didn't realize like Merlin keeps his magic a secret literally all the way up until the final episode. And I remember tweeting at one point, maybe in series three, I was like, oh, when is Arthur going to finally learn about Merlin's magic? And a bunch of um, mutuals that I have on Twitter were like making fun of me. They were like, LOL. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, don't play games with me. (laughs) Do not play games with me. Yeah, I know. And then finally, like, yeah, when I watched the finale, I was like yelling about it on Twitter. I was like, he doesn't find out till the final episode. It is kind of whack. It is. But then I also feel like it's fitting because it's like, well, Merlin, you reap what you sow. Like, this is on you. Like, you made bad choices. Both of them made bad choices. And this is the consequence. And now you have to to live with it. And I feel like, yeah, that's fitting. It's tragic, but it's fitting. We could really get into it. I really don't think that Merlin made bad choices. I think that he was almost like manipulated by outside forces into thinking a certain way. 
and feeling like I, I mean yeah he did make choices so like feeling like the choices he was making were the right choices yeah but they were the, they were still his to make right like I mean I understand that there were like yeah. all these outside forces bearing down on him but ultimately that was his choice and like there is a moment where it could have gone differently when they're having that conversation outside the cave after talking to the Desir. That is truly one of the worst episodes. I can't even think about it. We have like a question that we wanted to talk about later on about like, what would you change about the show? And that is like always the first thing that comes to mind because I hate how that conversation went down. But I feel like also that could have been a turning point for both of them. Like if both of them had made different choices in that moment, we could have had a different ending. That's what makes it so good though. Yes. that It, it is really like a, a tale of like hubris on both of their parts, really. Like it's really... I don't know. But what I was going to say about that scene is like, it reflects very poorly on both of them. I think Merlin, because he's being presented with, I think, the best opportunity he's ever had to to come clean about his magic come clean and to defend magic yeah, users. and to stand up for like his community but i think it also reflects really poorly on arthur because in that scene i mean that is probably one of the best acting scenes that colin morgan has ever done in his whole like, life he was having a breakdown in front of arthur and arthur somehow is completely oblivious to this it's like <laughs> so dumb I staring love at his best friend and confidant for the past like 10 years and he cannot see and comprehend that merlin is literally like on the verge of tears and like having a breakdown right in front of him and just like doesn't say or do anything about it and it's just like oh well like <laughs> whatever doesn't like comment on it or anything doesn't acknowledge it at all i love that show so much but there's like a few scenes that one included where i'm literally just like who wrote this who decided <laughs> this who like give me names give me addresses like i want to know yeah if we're talking about things that we could change about the show that is maybe one of the biggest ones and i i feel as though it's definitely a product of its time i think it was progressive in a lot of ways mm -hmm. but i do think that a lot of it was a product of its time i think that the showrunners have gone on record saying that they think that the show is a love story between Merlin and Arthur. Mm -hmm. You can interpret that in a number of ways. Yeah, pl platonic or romantic. I do think like I have fun with the fandom aspect of it and viewing things in a romantic lens, mm -hmm. but watching it a little more objectively, I see that love as more like platonic between them. Mm -hmm. And I think that if that show was maybe made today, it could be a little less subtext and a little more text, you know? One of the things I would change about the show is that I think some aspects of it of their relationship was kind of like just a joke or something that they utilized to like tell jokes, whereas like some of these situations that they're in would be like really traumatic. Like one of the things I'm thinking of, the thing that I'm leading up to is a servant of two masters which mm -hmm. is genuinely one of my favorite episodes of the show i love that show so much or that episode so much but that whole thing is like so very traumatic like merlin's literally trying to kill arthur yeah and it's played off for laughs yeah and then like the whole beginning where arthur thinks that merlin is missing and like dead that's like the most 
emotion and connection we see between them coming from Arthur. He's so like genuinely concerned about Merlin and the whole like beginning sequence where Merlin like gets injured and he's carrying him around and like trying to save him. That's like one of the purest forms of like Arthur's feelings for Merlin that we see in the show. And then the rest of the episode is kind of like a joke. Mm -hmm. The hug. Yeah. And then like the hug, like that's like the one of the only times that they hug or maybe the only time that they hug. And then Merlin doesn't even remember it. Yeah. And it's like a joke. As much as I love that episode, like a lot, it kind of feels a little like they pick and choose how serious they want their relationship to be. I mean, it is very inconsistent. The tonal whiplash sometimes from episode to episode or even moments within one episode can be very, I don't know, disorienting, I guess. It's like, sometimes it's like really serious and sometimes it's really wacky. And then there's like, you know, these moments of like really genuine deep emotion in between. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like, because genuinely... I don't think I would change very much. <laughs> it's perfect in its imperfection. Exactly. But the one thing that I'm like thinking of is along the lines of like what you were saying, Katie, it's very much a product of its time. And I think it was also kind of trapped in this kind of genre that it was in because you hear it all the time. Merlin is a family show. But what I mean when I say that, it's especially prevalent in like the first two seasons what it was really meant to be it was called the adventures of merlin right it was just meant to be the show that you would sit down with your kids and it wouldn't matter if you had seen the previous week's episode you could sit there and it was all contained and you could see the episode and i think that's why a lot of them kind of hash out the same thing which is like this thing wants to kill arthur oh no merlin must save gaius what do i do and then Gaius is all like, don't use magic. And Merlin's like, but I'm gonna. <laughs> like, it's very, what's that word? Formulaic. Formulaic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like villain of the week kind of thing. Yeah. But then I think what happened is there was such an online following that they didn't expect. And so I think if things were different, I think the show could have been a little different because it's how do you satisfy both audiences, right? You have the people with their kids who sit down and just want to see Merlin acting like a funny little guy. And then you have like people like us who I also want to see Merlin being a funny little guy, but I also want to see him face the consequences of his actions. You know, mm -hmm. so I feel like if I could change anything in a way, it would just be to like pick a genre and act and like write for that instead of writing necessarily always for that like formulaic monster of the week kind of thing. They eventually stopped doing that. I think especially in like series three, because that's when you start getting a lot of like the two parter episodes. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I totally get it. I kind of feel like that too is like, yeah, because it was supposed to be a family show, it did feel very limited in a way, which is actually funny now that we talk about that, because when I started watching the show, I didn't realize it was like a family friendly show. I thought it was meant to be more for like an older teen audience. Yeah. And so when it was very like kind of wholesome and like whatever, I was like, oh, this is weird. It's not like what I was expecting this to be at all. But anyways, I do feel like it was a little limited by that. I will say, though, that it was a product of its time, but also a little ahead of its time. Because I feel as though, you know, they cast a woman of color for Gwen, which I think was a pretty 
gutsy move for that time period. People do that now and everyone gets really angry about it because they're like, that character is supposed to be white. Well, people were angry about that in 20... Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Did you ever hear about like what could have been the most cursed version of Merlin in the world? It was... (gasps) With Karen Gillian. Karen Gillian. (gasps) But no, it's worse. It gets worse. Yes. Matt Matt Smith. Oh my god! No. Could you imagine? Respectfully to both of those actors, that would have been I was so going to say cursed. respect, but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I love them in Doctor Who. They should stay there. <laughs> yeah, yeah there. exactly. But I will say, like, the other thing that I think that they were kind of ahead of their time in was, like, I feel as though... I mean, there were other sci-fi shows, but I, it, it sort of feels like Merlin was a little bit of like a precursor for like, for that kind of specific genre of like high fantasy TV shows. Like, I feel like it kind of led to Game of Thrones in a weird way. <laughs> and there were a lot of actors who were on Merlin who were in Game of Thrones. It's true. Yeah, exactly. A, a lot of Merlin characters. Yeah. It walked so that like Game of Thrones could like run. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it walked so Game of Thrones could run. So yeah, I do feel like it was kind of progressive in a few ways and not so progressive in other ways. I mean, I think that at the core of the show really was like the relationship between Merlin and Arthur. And you can, and I like that you can read that relationship in a number of ways. Like if you read it as purely platonic, it works and it's great. And if you read it as romantic with like, you know, subtext, then it also works. I don't think one interpretation is necessarily better than the other. And I think you can enjoy it on both those levels and they're both valid interpretations. And I think that, I I don't know if like people have gotten over it, but I was going back to early reactions to when the show had just ended. And I think that people felt very cheated out of what they thought was a romantic relationship that they wanted to see validated or like seen on screen as as canon. But I don't think that it was necessary for that to, to be made explicit for you to appreciate it on that level. Yeah, I have like probably what is one of the most unpopular opinions about kind of that topic. And it might sound a little mean. And so like, sorry if like people's feelings are hurt by this. But I think if you genuinely thought that Merlin and Arthur were going to kiss at any point in this show, in a way, you had a fundamental misunderstanding of what the show was actually really about in a way, Mm -hmm. because like, And I'm not saying this because like, it was a family show. It was 2012. I think it it was kind of mentioned like earlier, but it leans into this whole like erasure of Gwen that I think happens in the fandom. And I think that's kind of a clear example. Like Merlin and Arthur were not going to kiss at the end. Arthur was married. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think not the heart back on like, if things were different. I do think if things could have been different, like, yes, there's absolutely a chance that Merlin and Arthur in some world could have been together. But also canonically in this show, Gwen and Arthur are very in love. And in my opinion, are like one of the best couples on that show. Not that there's a lot, but I'm with you there. Certainly like a top tier heterosexual couple in fandom, like in general. So yeah, their first kiss and like, what was it like the second episode of season two with like the light? Oh, so good. mm -hmm. So good. 
Yeah, I agree. I kind of, I think that Merlin sometimes gets, we've had discussions about this before, (laughs) but I think Merlin gets lumped in as one of those shows that quote unquote queer baited. I'm getting my knives out. I know, literally, I can feel like my nerves are like at an all time (laughs) high because I get so worked up about this because it was not a queer baiting show. I, I think that people, again, have like a fundamental misunderstanding of what queer baiting is. And I know that like language and stuff can evolve and things take on different meanings, but like this isn't like an old enough term that we should already be trying to change the meaning of it. This is a pretty recent thing. And queer baiting specifically refers to the suggestion of it happening over and over again and not just like the subtext and the fandom context that people have chosen to put onto a show. You know, there were some shows, I'm not going to name names, but maybe they also were, you know, being released at the same time as Merlin. But, we can um, name names. Sherlock. Sherlock. I will also say a really bad one was Teen Wolf. Supernatural. Oh. Supernatural. No, Supernatural was egregious. The creators would literally like tease being like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe in this season or maybe in this episode. Who knows? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, I remember I watched like a YouTube video about this where apparently like in the Teen Wolf fandom, a couple of the actors literally like recorded a video of them like pretending to almost kiss and being like ooh and I'm like that is queer baiting that is like oh well maybe we'll have these characters like kiss each other like maybe we'll have representation and I was like Merlin never did that it was just like people reacting to the chemistry and the relationship between Merlin and Arthur there was never a point where either of the actors or any of the creators were like teasing about it or like the creators were very clearly like yeah this is a love story there was never any of this like well maybe they'll kiss like that was all completely like fandom created it was just also never treated like as a joke and i think that's the main thing for me i've watched supernatural like a a few seasons so like i can say this but like (laughs) we all have yes we all have (laughs) i have watched it all the way to the end so there's bits of it like treated like a what if we kiss but within the text of the show like what if we kiss lol kind of thing that never happens in merlin and then at the end of it, the creators basically say like, yeah, they're in love. However you want to interpret that is fine. Meanwhile, I do think there is in a lot of these under uh, other shows within like the creator side of it, there's this underlying tension of what if they kiss LOL, but they're never actually going to kiss because like no homo. Yeah, I mean, I feel like just because there is queer subtext that is never made text doesn't mean that it's queer baiting. And I think people like confuse those ideas. Yeah, it's definitely you're right. It's a confusion between like subtext and what actual queer baiting is. And it's not the same. Like there's been, you know, subtext is what people are reading into the situation and not what the person who created that media is like saying might happen. You know, your your opinion on a piece of media and what you're reading into it doesn't change what the media is. Whereas I feel like queer baiting specifically can change the media because you know writers will add in little like hints and like winks of like ooh, we know that you want these two characters to kiss that's why i mean maybe we should get into this this on a different episode but that's why i honestly think that the ending of supernatural is such trash with like castiel saying that he like loves dean i'm like this is just like a 
a last ditch attempt to like not completely alienate the people who have been following your show for like 15 years but anyways that's besides the point (laughs) um i do think I don't know. I think I had a little bit of like a misunderstanding about what Merlin really was. Like I said, I thought that it was more of an adult show before I like got into it. And I think that is, it's like a result of the way that people talk about it online because it does have a lot of very serious themes. And I think that that's what I was seeing and just assuming that it was like a pretty like late teen or like early adult kind of show. But what do you guys think the like fandom legacy or show legacy is like god i don't know that's like a really yeah interesting question frankly i don't know to be that person (laughs) like as someone who is there in 2012 (laughs) like as someone who is there in 2012 i could not picture this that like 11 Mm -hmm. years later not only would i like still be thinking about this show the way that i do but that like there would be more people that's what's Mm -hmm. insane to me fandom like landscape the quote-unquote like recognizable names or like quote-unquote like big name fans none of the people who i followed back in 2012 with the exception of a small small handful or even on tumblr anymore and so just the fact that it it's like it's just so what is it the quote i can't believe i can't remember the quote but like in the finale (laughs) kilgara is like literally like it's not over the legacy like whatever like it'll stay oh yeah what does he say Uh, oh i'll be able to merlin out of context.tumblr.com i'll be able to find it because i post it every every anniversary because Mm -hmm. it really is like for me i think it's why the fandom is still here i can hear you scrolling it's really funny (laughs) you're like aggressive angry scrolling yeah Oh, this. It has been a privilege to have known you, young warlock. The story we have been a part of will live long in the minds of men. It's like they manifested that shit. And I don't know how. In the minds of queer people, specifically. Yeah, they said (laughs) they're going to go crazy. (laughs) They said, let's go, bitch. The gays are going to love this. I wish I could pinpoint truly what it is about the show that like makes people go goo goo gaga for like so long. I do think that a big part of it is that there are so many unanswered questions and there's so many different ways that so many different scenes could have gone. And there's so many characters that maybe never got the full treatment or full development that they deserved. And there's so much left unresolved to explore yes so much unresolved from the finale and like as as satisfying and as happy as i was with the finale there's just so much more to this universe it's like it's like they created this whole universe and introduced these like amazing characters and then kind of just like left them for us to play with in a way and it's nice that like i notice and okay maybe i will name drop but i'm thinking of you know, in fandoms like Harry Potter that I feel like have sort of been ruined by the creator of that fandom, Mm -hmm. where like, you know, not only because of the transphobia stuff, but honestly, I think that like, she still will like talk about the characters and is still kind of like adding stuff to the universe or like changing Mm -hmm. like headcanons or being like, oh, I thought that Dumbledore was gay and like, whatever, like, you know, we're not, we're not getting anything new. Nothing is getting like ruined. None of the creators are really still like adding on to this. And so it's really completely in our hands 
in like the fandom's hands to like keep this like myth going it just feels like a continuation of an age-old tradition because like the original arthurian legends are fanfic basically it's like amalgamation of different historical or mythical characters and like the story has been told over and over for centuries in different ways and it feels like the fandom is a continuation of this very very long tradition like we were given this iteration of it and we we took it and ran oh, yeah mm-hmm. and i think that's beautiful and i think that like there's so many unresolved things ab- about canon and we have all these amazing characters that didn't get you know full character arcs that we would have liked to see like there's just endless possibilities in a way that i don't think that other stories have like there are you know media that i like that I don't feel this need to seek out fanfic in the way that I do with Merlin or with other stories. And I think that has to do with like the stories themselves and the characters. For some stories, it feels like, okay, that was the end and I'm satisfied and I'm done and I'm I'm happy where this ended and I don't need more. But there's something about Merlin and the stories and the characters that make you keep coming back for more. And there is always more. And it's you know, partly because of the story itself and those characters, but also I think like the talent and this fandom is amazing. And like mm-hmm. the quality of fan works is just, I mean, there's a lot of good fanfic across many different fandoms, but I think like Merlin is known, you know, for having that high level of quality. Um, And so, yeah, it's just like, it's an immersive world that you never have to leave. Like there's always going to be something interesting and new there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say like, it's almost like an unlimited world to explore because the show was based on an already existing legend of like stories. There's just like hundreds and hundreds of years of different versions of the tales to like explore and to answer why we think that the Merlin TV show fandom has lasted this long seems like a much broader topic because it encompasses the very beginning of the creation of the King Arthur legends. Like, why is the show lasted this long? Why has the King Arthur legend lasted literally hundreds of hundreds of years? That's like the breadth and the span of that question because, you know, society, Western society mainly, but you know, we've been obsessed with the tale of King Arthur and of Camelot for so long that like it does feel like this is just the continuation of our society as a whole's like fascination with these characters and this legend it does feel kind of cool that it is just like it's a continuation of everything things that we've been doing for hundreds of years and yeah you're right i mean basically like all of the different versions of king arthur myths were just like fanfics of the original so you know i I think that fanfic still has a bad rep and like popular culture but it's what people have been doing for hundreds of years yeah oh yeah lancelot the exist existence of lancelot and also the knights of the round table is arguably pure fan fiction because back when the first like iterations of the legends the myths whatever you want to refer to them as when they first like showed up there was no such thing as knights and like lancelot itself is very french Arthurian scholars don't come at me if I'm wrong. This is just like off the top of my head. But 
Lancelot, I'm pretty sure, well, it's very French. So I'm pretty sure it just it arrived in France. That's where he kind of mm-hmm. came from. So yeah, fan fiction, woo. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I will use my humanities degree to defend the idea that all of literature basically is fanfic. The Bible is fanfic. I mean, it you was know. basically Shakespearean fanfic where people would take tra- like Shakespearean tragedies and they would publish new versions of them that were happy. So like people would be like, but what if Romeo and Juliet didn't die? I learned about it in school. So it's true. Shakespeare itself was fanfic. He wrote about like real people that existed. He wrote, he literally wrote RPF, like be for Exactly. Real. You know, like the prestige movies and biopics that we are celebrating now as like high works of art. That's basically real person fic, right? Yeah. Oppenheimer is real person fic. <laughs> It's so funny when you put it Strong like that. Strong take. Is the Barbie movie Barbie fan fiction of the Barbie? It literally is. absolutely is. It literally is. Incredible. Oh my god. I can't believe a fanfic is about to win Best Picture at the Oscars. That's crazy. <laughs> but both are fanfic, so like, yeah. But both are fanfic. So if either of them win, then it's still a win for the fanfic girlies. Hell yeah. I tell my spouse that he's basically engaging in fanfic because he plays fantasy basketball. What is that? That is just fanfic for men. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, you're, if your spouse is straight, but it does feel like fanfic for straight men. So uh, why don't we talk a little bit about what, I, I guess we kind of already got into this a little bit, but like what about the show has made such a lasting impact on us personally? I mean, I've been in a lot of fandoms throughout the years and this is the one that I was able to make the most friends, I would say. There's been a few where I've made friends, but this one felt like really, like I made friends in it so quickly. I had been in some fandoms for like a couple years and just like not made friends with anybody on a very personal level. This fandom feels like really special because it has been so welcoming to me. And I have found it so easy to make friends. And yeah, and I, I mean, I feel like it's changed my life in a lot of ways. Like it feels silly. Like earlier when I was like, oh, what if I had just watched the first couple of episodes and decided I hated this show and like didn't watch the whole thing. I mean, that would have made such a profoundly different course for my life, I think. And so that's a pretty big one. For me, at least, I mean, it's a lot of what you were saying, Katie, Specifically for me, like I kind of made like an LOL joke about it at the beginning that I was an unhappy teen. But like the truth of it is I was a pretty sad teenager. And when I started watching Merlin, I was really in the midst of just teenage angst. Like I don't know how else to just describe it. Just like being a teenager is hard and you have old these hormones and all of these like emotions and you're just one person and you think that you're the only person who's ever felt that way and so I was very deeply unhappy when I first started watching Merlin I it was like one of the only things that like really brought me comfort and for for me and in my life it has just always continued to do that and to be there like when I made the Merlin out of context blog I had just moved to a new place in like a new city and I was starting a new school and it was all very scary and I didn't like it and I had already recognized that I was kind of just like going back into comfort shows like I rewatched all of Glee I was in the Glee fandom once upon a time 
And so I was like, well, I'll just rewatch Merlin and I'll see what the fandom is up to because I had kind of taken a little bit of a break where I wasn't like on Tumblr like all the time like I was. I Yeah, I made Merlin out of context in a period of my life where I also felt very scared and wary and just needed comfort. And Merlin and Arthur have just always been that for me. And that is why, like, you guys have said it in previous episodes, because I listen. I'm a fan of the pod. (laughs) (laughs) It's a home fandom for me for, like, a reason. Like, I am not even actively really writing anything in the Merlin fandom. I'm not even actively really reading anything in the Merlin fandom. But it is my home fandom. And, like, Merlin in particular is like the ultimate comfort character for me they're just always there when i need them they just always like kind of turn up for me my special little guy yeah also like my cat is literally named freya so like (laughs) yeah i don't know what else i can add to that i mean i guess it has captured my imagination in the way that Arthurian legends have had this hold on like our collective cultural imagination Um, in a similar way. There's just so much good fic and art in this fandom that I just never get tired of seeing like how creative people are and like seeing new takes on old characters or like reinventing certain aspects of the story. It just never gets old and there's just so much talent within this fandom. It's also, you know, the sense of community and friendship that I've found here. I know that there are a lot of people who, you know, kind of move on from the fandom, but somehow always find their way back. It's just that kind of fandom. I don't know, like we've created like this community that is just so wholesome and welcoming and comforting. And I think that like, that's something that's just really special when you find it and you just, you just hold on to it. Every time I feel like, you know, maybe I'm over it, you know, something will hit me. Like I will just think about Merlin Arthur, I'll see something on Tumblr or I'll, you know, read a new fic and it's like I'm just back there in that emotional place I've just never moved on and I don't want to I was gonna say that happens to me sometimes too because like I'll just be innocently like scrolling tumblr and all of a sudden a post will come across my dashboard and it's like so deeply like emotionally traumatic and it just like punches me in the face and I'm like ooh, every time I think that I'm maybe over Merlin or done having like extreme emotions about it someone on tumblr is like you thought um i'm definitely not done having emotions about it and i don't know if i ever will be beyond like merlin and arthur like there's so many great characters in this show and i think one of my favorite things about this fandom is how like a character that was in one episode or like was on screen for like a few minutes in this fandom now has like this extensive backstory mm-hmm. and like has its own niche fandom i'm a merlin mythian truther merlin mythian (laughs) yeah so the rare pairs on the show are just so great and that there's so many different permutations for some reason everyone on this cast is just extremely shippable and so Mm -hmm. yeah like there's like never ending combinations to explore on a wall and like it works i was gonna say also like it's crazy i mean we see it because we run that server but there's still people joining the Merlin fandom. Yeah, people who are completely new to it. Yeah, like we get people joining the server who are like, oh, I just finished watching it and I really 
and that's another big thing about the show is it just creates such a discussion like we always have people coming in and being like oh I really needed to find like people that I can like talk about this show with it's this thing of like people watch the show and then they want to continue engaging with it like once they're done watching it it doesn't mean that they're done with the show they want to continue consuming content or talking about it or anything like that related to the show and yeah like i said it i mean it's still happening in 2024 now oh god i just remembered it was 2024 <laughs> yeah it's been 12 years yeah. that's insane yeah. and yeah people are still discovering it so i think that that just says a lot about i don't think that the fandom is gonna die anytime soon Unlike yeah. Arthur. Big rip to that guy, damn. so much for listening to our episode about Merlin. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to check out any of the fanfic that we recommended, I will post links for that in the episode description, as well as a link to our Merlin server. If you are interested in joining that, that will also be in the episode information. Let's just go into what we're hyper fixating on right now. Serena, what do you have going on? I'm currently reading a book called A Taste of Golden Iron by Alexandra Rowland, and it's an LGBTQ plus fantasy story set in a fictional kingdom inspired by the Ottoman Empire. Uh, there are a lot of queer characters of different orientations and identities in this book, but the main romance is between two men. And so it's about a prince and his bodyguard slash manservant. And something happens at the start of the book that puts them at odds with each other. So there's kind of this enemies to lovers tension between them. But as they get to know each other, they develop an understanding and appreciation for each other and start to fall in love. So um, the personalities of the main characters are nothing like Merlin and Arthur, but there's something about their circumstances and their interactions that are very Merthyr coded, I think. And on the dedication page of the book, the author wrote that it's dedicated to the fan fiction writers who taught me everything I know, including and most especially the pursuit of joy, which I think is lovely because clearly they're one of us. And I'm only about a third of the way through the book, but so far it's delivering on that fanfic joy. Yeah, I read that last year, kind of late last year. And I mean, I think that it's sort of like the servant. Uh, the Although the character in the book isn't really a servant. He is yeah. more of like a, a guard, I would say. Yeah, but like he does the prince's hair and dresses him and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's kind of the same vibe as like Merlin Arthur. Like, yeah, I kind of get it. The, the personalities aren't really the same, but I, I kind of understand the vibe. It's like the acts of service thing if we want to get into love languages, which I don't really believe in. But, you know, it is that kind of like acts of service thing. Well, for myself, I... I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of all over the place. One thing that I am really trying to do right now is finish the book about George Villiers mm -hmm. and King James in preparation for Mary and George, which is coming out in really like soon, just under two weeks, I believe. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I really, really want to finish this book before the TV show comes out so that 
I kind of have like something to compare it to, which I really like doing. I feel like sometimes I don't want to continue. I don't want to like read something after I've already seen the product. I don't know if that's like a weird, a weird like hang up of mine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm trying to finish the book before the TV show comes out. Are you enjoying the book? I am. It's really interesting. I'm like, I keep reading things and I'm really excited to see play out on the screen if they choose to stay true to certain aspects of their actual relationship. So yeah, I'm there's like a lot of little details that I'm really excited for that I hope we get to see play out in the TV show. Yeah, I hope I have time to read it. I'm not sure I do, but um, I'm really excited yeah. to read it and watch the show. I don't have that issue where I would be happy to read it after <laughs> watching it to compare. Yeah. But yeah, I like reading beforehand because I feel like I'm more critical of, or not not necessarily critical, but I'm paying more attention because there are certain yeah. things that I'm looking out for. Yeah. And I think that's maybe what I like. And I mean, I don't think that I'm not one of those people that like people changing a lot about the movie or TV version or whatever hurts my feelings or like makes me upset. I kind of like to see like the changes that they yeah. make um, when they move things to a screen. So yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do with that source material. As usual, thanks for listening. Our website is bisexualbreakdown.com where you can find links to all the places you can listen to the podcast such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, YouTube, as well as links to all our social media. We are on Tumblr, Instagram, and TikTok, and we are Bisexual Breakdown across all of those platforms. You can leave us comments and feedback on any of those, or if you prefer, you can email us at bisexualbreakdown at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye for now. We are both bisexual, that's so true.